This is, this is a house of fathers. I don't know if you know that, but this is a house of fathers right here. I look down and I see many of my spiritual fathers. And it's really part of what I want to talk about tonight. We live in a world where not many people take personal responsibility for their walk. And as, as fathers, we're called to lead our homes. Not called to preach to our homes. We're called to lead our homes. I can tell you, when I moved from Central Texas to Sherman or Denison in 2008, I felt that God said, you need to, to find a church, you need to get your family in it. And I just kind of said, you know what? I've met those people. <laughs> and I thought, well, who do I trust? And I looked down right here, and Pastor Stan is, is with us. Yeah. yeah. I didn't come here because I heard Pastor Stan preach. I came here because when I was a kid, I was in his house. When I was running around with my buddy, AJ, we would miraculously show up at the shop where, where Pastor Stan was working or, or, or this, that, or the other. But here's the thing. The message that was taught in the house, in the shop, in the yard, it was the same thing that he preached from the stage. So when I say I want us to be close to home, that's what I'm talking about. That we need to, we need to lead, we need to, to guide. And we need to start at home. This message sort of originated from a story I heard a long time ago. It was of, of a man that decided he wanted to change the world. When he, he struck out and he tried everything he could to change the world and he found himself overwhelmed. Well, then he said, well, I'm going to try to change my nation. It didn't take long before he was disillusioned with that as well. Well, I'll try to change my state. I'll try to change my town. Finally, he ended up at home and said, the dog's the only one listening to me, so I might as well just try to change home. But here's the thing. When, when he found that, that he could lead his home, it influenced his city, which influenced his state, which influenced his world. So what I want to talk to you tonight about is this. Our goal, and this is the goal. I'm going to talk a lot. I like to talk, okay? So I'm going to talk a lot tonight. So I'm going to give you why I'm talking on the, on the front side so that if I forget that, that we know what I, what I was up here doing. So the goal, here's the goal. That we become mature disciples of Christ. So... If you'll go on that journey with me tonight, would you just bow your head and put your hand on your heart? Father, we want to be mature disciples of Christ. Help us tonight to take one step towards you. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. 
So I saw a picture when I was praying through coming here, and I saw a dark sky. I saw a storm, but I also saw this this home, not just a house, a home. And in that home, there was lots of windows. And you could just, from looking at a distance in this, in this kind of vision that I had, you could see and feel the warmth coming from that home. You could see the light emanating from it. Like it just, it struck me. I just, I began to weep when I saw the storm, when I saw the clouds, when I saw the darkness. But outside of this home, there was light and warmth emanating. Church, I'm here to tell you something. You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And the river that runs through that dwelling place makes it glad. Psalms 46, that has been my my rhythm, my, my message that I'm reading every day for the last weeks and weeks and weeks. I was sitting... Back a couple of weeks ago, um, not far from where we are now, and I felt like the Lord told me, this is my word for the church, and I want you to tell the church. And it's Psalms 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It says, I will be exalted among the nations. Nothing happened today to change that. It says, I will be exalted in the earth. Nothing happened to change that. We celebrated Christmas a few weeks ago. Unto us a child is born. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So we either believe that or we don't. But how do we walk it out when we start getting worried and we turn on the five o'clock news and we go, okay, God, I'm, I'm a little concerned here. Even better, how do we walk it out when we come home and maybe there's some tension between our bride and, and ourselves? Even when we know it's, it's our fault. Because <laughs> we know, we always know, right, guys? Right, guys? I see some heads shaking the wrong direction. I, I, I don't know that I want to be over on this side of the church. <laughs> but just picturing that house and the warmth emanating from it, and going, be still and know that I'm God. So how do we... How do we see that in our life? How do we walk it out? How do, we, how do we find faith and trust in that? I love the scriptures. I have read the scriptures and read the scriptures and read the scriptures. But until the scriptures came to life, they were a book of laws. And now it's just, now I look at the, I open the Bible and it's just like, son, I love you. There too. There too, son, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm, I'm with you. So faith, hope, and trust, they sound pretty similar. 
But faith is a gift, according to Ephesians 2. It's a gift that's freely given, not of our own works. Okay, so if I ask God for faith, Jesus gives me faith. And he doesn't give me Landon's faith. He doesn't give me some rotten, used up, worn out faith. He gives me the faith of Christ. The faith of Christ. Christ, Jesus' faith is perfect. It's not short in any area. My willingness to use it and stir it up, that falls short sometimes. There is no static in the kingdom of God. You're either walking towards God or you're walking away. We're either walking towards our faith, that is what we see, what we know, what we believe, our own principles that we've, uh, our thoughts, those sorts of things, or we're walking towards the faith of God. So if faith is perfect, and this may be a little bit of landonology, so forgive me. Hope is something that we stir up. You know, often hope is something that's even historical. Romans 5 talks about how we rejoice even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Why? Why would you rejoice when you're going through suffering? Has anybody else outside of me had a little bit of suffering in the last 13 months? A little bit of pain? I mean, we've lost loved ones. We've lost, you name it, careers. We've lost a million different things. But historically, I'm here to tell you that God has yet to fail. When we're hemmed in with troubles, he stirs us up and, and, and we get to look at what his goodness is. And to me, a light bulb went off a couple of months ago when I was in a conversation with some of our Karis students. So if, if faith is perfect, if faith is God's, is Jesus', is that he's given that to us, and hope is where we, just, where we look to God and we stir ourselves up and we remind ourselves of, of the goodness of God, what is trust? I can tell you when I trust, I can stand. I can stand through adversity. I can stand through the storms because that's where that perfect faith and looking to God comes together and you have the fruit of trust. But I can also tell you this. It really stinks when you're struggling and somebody looks at you and says, come on, man, just trust. Just have faith. Where's your hope? In fact, we, we love to give cliches because we haven't really dug down very deep sometimes. And I want to challenge us. If I, if I, if I tell you, man, just trust, it's going to be okay. I really mean that from my heart. It doesn't, it doesn't discount what you're going through. But if we're going to walk as mature believers then we, know, we need, need to know a few things. One of those major things is our narrative. Our narrative is that voice that's going off on the inside, that story that's being told when nobody's talking. And we look through a lens. Our narrative may be political, 
They may be religious. You know, the two things that we're not supposed to talk about at Christmas dinner, right? <laughs> I watched the inauguration of our president today. And I was watching it on social media and watching two sides battle. Just battle. It's like they were just lobbing bombs across the aisle. It was hard. It was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. I have such a value for unity. I know that there's a commanded blessing in unity that God gives us. And it's hard to see when we may say that, but we don't walk it out. And when I say we, I'm looking at us in this room. I'm not talking to anybody outside of this room unless you're joining us later. But when we decide not to walk in unity, but yet we talk about it, something's amiss. On one side, I'd see people that just hate President Trump. And their narrative going in their mind is he's evil. And so everything they read between every line and every word said, that narrative is evil. And I see some people that, that see him as some sort of savior. And between every line he says, there's just, oh, it's, it's this, it's beauty, it's wonderful. Then on the other side, I, I saw people who just love President Biden. And everything he said was just gold. And then the antithesis to that, people who think he is absolutely evil. And the reading between the lines. Now, I know that we need to use wisdom. I know that we need to walk in, in, in the Holy Spirit. But our trust, if our trust is ever, listen to me, if our trust is ever in anything temporal, you will find yourself disappointed. I trust when God says, of the increase of my government and of peace, there will be no end. I trust that because I see it over and over again. Even if my eyes don't see what I want to see. And it does not change. Just because I didn't see what I, what I wanted to see, it doesn't change the fact that there is a commanded blessing when we walk in unity. So, the narrative, basically I could say it, it's, it, the Proverbs say guard your heart. It goes into every area of life. I walked outside of my, my front door this morning and I had a narrative going. Because last night I took the, I took the trash cans out to the curb. I was proud of myself. I was the good husband. I took the trash cans out. I didn't even ask the kids. I did it myself. Talk about brownie points. I took the trash cans out. So I walk out my front door, and my neighbor has just moved, and I saw that his trash can was full, and it was by by the garage. And I'm going, oh, man, poor guy. Maybe I need to take one of my trash cans over there and let him use it. This is the narrative playing in my mind. 
The other narrative playing in my mind that it was that it was Thursday morning <laughs> when my trash is picked up. Well, that was this morning. Today's Wednesday, if you don't know. <laughs> so my narrative was completely off. It wasn't even real. But I had all these thoughts. And I say that to encourage you, let's, let's capture those thoughts. Let's, let's capture and guard our hearts. In Ephesians 4, it talks about how to be mature. In Ephesians 4.1, it says, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. That's why I had you put your hands on your hearts. I wanted to challenge you to do the same. With all humility, I could stand up here and talk for the next two hours just about that. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to you all. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in you and y'all. How about that? But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave men gifts. He gave y'all, all of you, all of mankind gifts. In saying that he ascended, does that, what does it mean? But that he had also descended to the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. We worry about these temporal things and he's filling all things. The entire earth is, is groaning. All of creation is groaning with birth pains of his glory that's coming. And that includes us. And he gave apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And here it is. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. We want to be like our hero. And he's given us the very faith to do that. So that, are you ready? Have you been tempted with some of these things here recently? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by every narrative out there. By human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, in whom the whole body joined together by every joint which it is equipped 
When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow and it builds itself up in love. I love to say this wherever I go. Look at the person next to you right now. And I want you to encourage them. Tell them this. You hold the address of the Holy Spirit. That should line us all out, right? You have what I need. I don't have what I need. You have what I need. I don't have it. I give what I have, and I'm fed by the body. Amen. Amen. But now is where it gets good. For us to mature, some of us have tried to skip a couple of steps. Some of us said, I honor God. I see him as God. I know he's God. Well, if he's God, then I need to honor him and obey him. Nothing wrong with that. That's true. How does a baby come into this world? A baby is born, and the first thing a baby needs is to be loved. This isn't some prosperity gospel. What I'm telling you will change your life if you see it. The first thing a baby needs is to be loved. A baby will spend months and months and months. By the way, what what can a baby give back? They eat. They, I was waiting on it. They eat. They, they make a mess. We, we clean them up. And by we, um, right, we, had, we had children, right? We, we changed diapers, right? But that baby, it spent months, six inches, 12 inches from its mother's eyes. We need to be loved. I know I'm not the only one to skip this step. Because not only do we need to be loved, we need to belong. Because when you know whose you are, you know who you are. Amen? And then that something happens when we belong, we start to see the world differently. We start to see each other differently. Because if I don't think I belong, and if I don't think I'm loved, then all I'm going to see is why does he get the gifts and I don't? Why is he getting what I want and I'm over here with nothing? No, no, no. I have five kids, and guess which one's my favorite? All of them. I know you don't believe that. You think, I'm, you think you're my favorite, but you are. You're my favorite, and so is the other four. You're God's favorite. You're his beloved. He created you for such a time as this with gifts for today. But if you don't know that you're loved and you don't know you belong, you will become an envious and jealous person. 
you'll, you'll pick up this word and you won't see it as a book of love. You'll see it as a book of law. Well, there, Bubba's not doing that. Why do I have to do it? When we know that we're loved, when we know we belong, and when we behold that which Jesus is beholding, we believe, we trust. And all of those, those chains that hold us down, they begin to just shed off of us. They fall off one by one. Not because you worked hard, and working hard is important. Working hard is so important. We have a whole culture of of people that don't work hard. But when it comes to Jesus, you can't work harder than he did. Try me. I've tried. Another thing happens when we learn to be loved, we learn to belong, we learn to behold, we learn to believe, and we learn to behave is we realize that those things are for the person sitting next to us as much as they are for us. We're each a part of the the body of Christ. We're each a piece of the same loaf. And you talk about stirring your trust and your faith... Who do you love more than anything in the world? If you have a spouse, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. When tragic and sad things happen, if you've learned to trust for yourself, then, you have, then you're set with another challenge. You trust God for other people. You trust Him in the moment of knowing that you're pursuing my wife harder than I'm pursuing my wife. You're pursuing my children harder than I'm pursuing my children. Sometimes we think that just because we behaved well or we did well, that's why we are where we are. Now, there is sowing and reaping. I'm not arguing with that at all. But when it comes to walking with God and trusting Him, we need to let Him be in control and give up the reins. In Galatians 4, 1 through 7, it says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, there is no difference from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, he is but he is under the guardians and the managers until the date set forth by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. When you said yes to Jesus, he gave you his faith. And your spirit began to say, Abba, Father. 
So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. When we know that we are loved, we know whose we are, and we look to Jesus, we believe, we trust, and we obey. But when we get our narrative flipped, we believe that we must perform to be loved, and we are slaves to the law. Some of the most incredible people I know, they have incredibly high standards, they work so hard, have really, again, high standards. I know I've been one of those people, and I've been my greatest critic as well. And something happens when you're your own best critic, you become everybody else's critic. And I don't want to be everybody else's judge. I want to trust that what God said is true and every man's a liar. Not only that, I want to honor people that what you say, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm not going to, believe, I'm not going to read through the, through the lines and through the minutia and through the, the narrative of that. But it all goes back that we need to be loved. We need to belong. We need to behold. Then we'll believe and we'll behave. The book of Revelation, there's a, we, we read in Ephesians a short while ago, but in Revelation 2, uh, 2 through 5, Jesus is writing a letter to the church of Ephesus. It said, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance. Man, I like these people. Like, they're doing pretty good, right? And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But have you tested, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not? They were finding all the false prophets, praise God. And they found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. Man, this sounds like a big pat on the back. It's a good attaboy. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Oh, yeah, go ahead and back up. Thank you. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. I've always thought that that meant that I stopped loving God. Are you following me? Maybe it means, just maybe it means I've forgotten that he loves me and that I don't have to do all of those things. I should do all those things because I love the person next to me. That's the great, the great commandment of Jesus is to love your neighbor as he loved them. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your strength, everything within you. And those two commandments, all of the law and prophets are built on. But we cannot uphold those things if we forget our first love. So just to review, faith is a gift 
Hope is stirred through the narrative that God loves me and he is good. Trust happens when we mix it all up and we look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I've looked at a few of our, our, our heroes in the Bible and just looked at their narrative. Joshua had to be one of the greatest heroes. I just love looking at Joshua's life. He, he held this trust of, of, of what God said, and he let nothing get in the way. When he was sent out with the 12 spies and only two came back with a good report and everybody else gave a bad report, what did he do? He stood on what God said. He stood on the promises of God, even when everything around him looked terrible. Even when there were giants in the land, he knew what God had said was bigger than what his eyes behold, beheld. He remembered God's faithfulness. He remembered the stories all the way from Egypt to where he was. And he led from that place like a father close to home. After Joshua had told the congregation and reminded them of all that God did, in Joshua 24, 14, it says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served before the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day who you will serve. He didn't demand anybody else serve God. He gave them the options. He gave them the, he gave them the script. He said, you make your choice. We can't control other people. Do, most of us need to realize that we don't even do a good job controlling ourselves. I joked about the dog earlier. My dog doesn't even listen to me. But I'm just not good with dogs. I'm a whole lot better with people. Choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, the gods that they served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whom the land you, you in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, can you say that with me? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's narrative was that God is faithful. And whatever else is going on in the world, me and my house will serve the Lord. In John, 1 John 5, 1 through 5, it says, Everyone who, that, who believes that Jesus Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father, whoever loves I need to look up there. Our glasses or something. I think I need some glasses. I'm having a hard time reading. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born from God. That sounds a whole lot better than what I said a while ago. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever's been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God 
when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Do we believe that? Do we trust that? Do we have faith that that is the word of God? I know it may not look beautiful sometimes. In 2 Corinthians 4, it talks about us being in this tent, that while we're perishing daily, the inner temple is being built up. There's, there's, Jesus is building a place that's beyond anything we could see or imagine. So as we walk these things out, as we walk out that he has overcome the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the wor- world, our faith. The good news, it's not even ours. It's the faith that Jesus gives us. Now that's some good news. I'd like to read Psalm 46 in its entirety over us. If you feel led, just close your eyes and listen. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. The earth, he utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and behold the works of the Lord and how how he has brought desolations to the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. This is the word of God for this church. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father, we thank you so much that you are our fortress. You've said that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, that you would hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. God, we come to you and we declare that as disciples of Christ, we will no longer say, if they would repent, if they would turn their ways, if they would humble themselves, then everything would be okay. We repent from that thought, we repent from that word, and we say, We take this word close to home. God, we repent. 
You've built us into a holy habitation. And it's your word, Christ Jesus, that is in us and with us. We thank you for the river of your love in Jesus' name.